In this video, we're going to work through the basic principles of stock valuation. In theory, stock valuation is straightforward. The stock price today is the present value of the expected future cash flows that investors will receive if they buy the stock. So it sounds very easy in theory. In reality, stock valuation is difficult. There are two reasons why it's difficult. First, it's hard to predict future cash flows and dividend payments. Second, it's hard to calculate the required rate of return that compensates investors for the risk they take on when they buy a particular stock. You may think it's easy to work out what dividend payments are going to be. Well, next year, it may be easy. The firm may have made a statement about what the dividend payments will be for the next year, or two years, or three years. But what about dividends in five years' time, or ten years' time? Suppose dividends grow at 3% rather than 3.5%. Does it matter? Similarly, suppose the required rate of return is actually 9% rather than 10%. Does it make any difference or not? Well, the answer is that small changes in these components can lead to very large changes in stock prices. So if you get the required rate of return wrong by 1%, it may have a big impact on your valuation. Similarly, if you make the wrong assumption about dividend growth rates, it can have a large impact on the value of the stock. What do you get when you actually buy a stock? Well, there are two main scenarios that we're going to consider. The first scenario is that you buy and hold a dividend-paying stock. So when you buy a dividend-paying stock, you get the right to vote and you get a stream of dividend payments for as long as the company chooses to pay dividends. We're not going to consider the right to vote because it really isn't worth much to the average individual investor. Why not? Well, we have the right to vote but do we have enough shares to actually influence the vote when we've got these large institutional investors who hold millions of shares? So for us, average investors, the right to vote is not worth much. So really, the value of the stock comes down to the stream of dividend payments that we expect to receive from the company. The second option when you buy a stock is that you buy a non-dividend paying stock and you sell it after capital T years. A good example of a non-dividend paying stock would be Google. So what do you get if you buy Google? Well, you don't get any dividends at all. But what you will earn is whatever price an investor is willing to pay for Google in capital T years time. That's what you get when you buy a non-dividend paying stock. You will earn whatever the price an investor is willing to pay in the future for that stock. Now let's consider what tools we need to value a stock. We need to discount future cash flows back to the present day. And we can do this with a fairly simple formula. And in fact, this formula, while it is simple, is the most important formula in finance. If you understand this formula, 
then you can understand most of finance. So the present value of an amount FV that is going to be received in t years time is calculated using the following formula. The present value is equal to the future value FV divided by 1 plus R all to the power capital T where capital T denotes the number of years until you receive the payment FV. R is the required annual rate of return. With this formula we can value any project or any stock in the world. So this is a very powerful formula. Very important that you understand this formula. Sometimes you'll hear people talking in finance about discount factors. Well, a discount factor is just a ratio, and the ratio is 1 divided by 1 plus R all to the power capital T. This is the discount factor used to find the present value of a future amount. So it's just language and terminology. It all comes from this basic formula. Now, when you think about a company that pays dividends, we don't just receive one dividend payment, we're, paying, we're receiving dividends for a long time into the future. That's our expectation when we buy the stock. We could use this formula to value each of those payments separately, but that's going to take us a long time. So now let's consider some shortcuts which will speed up the process. The first shortcut would be to consider the present value of T equally spaced payments of C dollars, where the first payment is going to be received in one period's time. For this type of problem, we can use what we call an annuity formula. What is important in this problem is that we have equally spaced payments. So if we receive payments at 3 months, 6 months, 9 months, 12 months, we could use this formula because the payments are equally spaced. If we receive a payment after 3 months, after 9 months, after 20 months, after 50 months, we can't use this formula because the payments are not equally spaced. Similarly, we have to receive the same dollar amount every period. If those two conditions are met, then we can use this annuity formula to calculate the present value of these future cash flows. Now in a company, as we just said, the payments may never end. If we think about GE, they've been paying dividends for a hundred years and we can't see, we don't know when this company is going to end. So we value this company as if it's going to continue indefinitely. We have a formula that can help us value this type of company. So the present value of a stream of equally spaced payments that never ends can be calculated using a formula where the present value at time t is equal to the cash payment at time t plus 1 divided by r minus g. r is the required periodic rate of return and g is the periodic growth rate of the cash payment. We've introduced some extra terminology 
So let's work through it. We're going to receive in one period's time this payment of C dollars. Now if we think about a company that pays dividends, we expect the dividends to grow over time, maybe at a rate of 3% or 4%. So this payment C changes over time. It grows. And fortunately this formula is flexible enough to allow us to calculate the value of this growing stream of cash flows. Because G in our formula represents the growth rate of the dividend payment. So this is a very flexible tool, but again we need to notice that we need equally spaced payments. That's very important. If the payments are not equally spaced, we can't use the perpetuity formula. We've seen three tools that we're going to use when valuing stocks. Now let's move to some examples and see how we actually apply these tools in reality. First let's consider a dividend paying stock, O'Doherty Industries. And they've told us that the dividend schedule over the next few years evolves as follows. In one year's time they'll pay $1.16 per share. In two years they'll pay $1.24 per share. In three years $1.30 per share. In four years they'll pay $1.36 per share. After four years though, dividends are expected to grow at 4% per year. And the required rate of return for investors is 12% per year. So there's the problem. We've got this company, O'Doherty Industries, and we want to value that company. The first thing to do is draw a timeline for O'Doherty Industries. Typically for all problems in finance, if you can't draw a timeline for the problem, then you don't understand the problem and you shouldn't think about answering the problem until you can draw the timeline. So here is a timeline for O'Doherty Industries. We want to value this stream of future cash flows. We know that for the first three years we have our dividends. We know what they are and we can discount them back to the present day using our initial present value future value formula. From year four onwards we know that we have a growing perpetuity because we've been told that from year four onwards dividends will grow at 4% per year indefinitely. So we can split this problem for Adati into two. Let's consider the first three payments or the first three dividends. We're going to use the formula that present value equals future value divided by 1 plus r to the power t. We want to bring these values, the dividend in year one, the dividend in year two, and the dividend in year three, back to the present day. So the present value of these payments, of these dividends, is going to be equal to the dividend payment, which is 1.16 in year one, divided by 1 plus r, which is equal to 1.12, to the power t, well t is equal to 1 here, so we're fine. If we want to bring back year two's dividends to the present day, 
then we've got 1.24 divided by 1.12. Now we've got t is going to be equal to 2. And then if we consider the third year's dividend, we've got 1.3 divided by 1.12 to the power of 3. So if we do those calculations, we get 1.0357 plus 0.9885 plus 0.9253. So the present value of these three dividend payments is equal to 2.9 495. Now let's consider the growing perpetuity part of Odati Industries. We're going to try to use the perpetuity formula, so the present value at time t is equal to the payment at time t plus 1 divided by r minus g. We know that R is equal to 12%, and we know that G is equal to 4%. So what is the first payment that we're going to receive? Well, the first payment we're going to receive is the payment in year 4. So this is going to be CT plus 1 in our formula. Where are we standing on this timeline? We must be standing, time t must be year 3. PV, the present value at time 3, is equal to the dividend payment at time 4, which is 1.36, divided by R minus G, so 0.12 minus 0.04. which equals 17. So the present value at time 3 or at year 3 is 17. But what we've got to do now is bring that back to the present day because the value of 17 is the value in 3 years time. So what we've got to do is bring this value back to the present day. Present value today is going to be equal to 17 divided by 1.12 to the power 3, which equals 12.1003. That is the value today of this growing perpetuity, where the growing perpetuity starts in year 4, and grows at 4% per year, with a required rate of return for investors of 12% per year. So we've now valued the two components of Odoherty Industries. To get the total value of the firm, all we have to do is add up the two components. And we find that the present value of all of the future cash flows that investors receive is going to be $15.05.
Now, in reality, the actual market value of a Doherty Industries is $26. So we've got an $11 difference between our valuation and the market's valuation of a Doherty Industries. What would be your recommendation to investors in this case? Well, we think the value is $15. The market thinks the value is $26. So we think that Adoherty Industries is being overvalued by the market. So we would recommend investors to sell Adoherty Industries because it is overvalued. But it's important to remember that for the stock to be overvalued by $11, all of our assumptions have to be correct. We have to have a dividend growth rate of 4%. We have to have the required rate of return of 12%. And if we're out on any of these assumptions, then our valuations will be incorrect. So we still have to be very careful. But assuming we're correct, we should be selling this stock. Now let's move on to consider a non-dividend paying stock. So here we have Cedarberg Technology and its stock price today is $472.61. And Cedarberg doesn't pay dividends. And investors here still require a rate of return of 12% to compensate them for the risk associated with Cedarberg. Here's the question. At what price do you think Cedarberg Technology will have to be trading in five years time for an investor to have earned the required rate of return. You may think that Cedarberg Technology is a great tech stock and it's one that you must buy. But when you buy it, you do have to think carefully about what value should it be worth in the future. So we're going to use the present value, future value formula. We know that the present value is equal to the future value divided by 1 plus r to the power t. But in this example, we actually know the present value. The present value is $472.61. What we want to do is find out the future value. What value will Cedarberg Technology have to be trading at in five years' time? So to get to the future value, what we need to do is multiply both sides of this formula by 1 plus r to the power t. So that gives us present value times by 1 plus r to the power t equals the future value. We can now find the future value. The future value is going to be equal to the present value, which is $472.61 times by 1.12 to the power 5, because we've got 5 years until we want to sell. That gives me a value of $832.90. So when we buy Cedarberg technology today, it's important to recognize that if we're going to be compensated for the risks that we take on, we would need the value to be $832.90 in five years' time for this to be a good investment. Now suppose, let's turn this problem around, suppose after a lot of research, 
you think that Cedarberg technology is actually only going to be worth $700 in five years time and you also think that the required rate of return should be 14% not 12% so you think that Cedarberg technology is riskier than you previously thought and we know that the stock price is currently trading at $472.61 what should you do in this situation? Should you buy Cedarberg technology? Should you sell it? Well, what we'd need to do is calculate the present value of Cedarberg technology. We know the future value is going to be equal to $700. And we know that R, the required rate of return, is going to be equal to 14%. So we can use our formula, present value equals future value divided by 1 plus R to the power t and in this case we know the future value is $700 which we divide by 1.14 to the power 5 which gives us a present value for Cedarberg technology of $363.56 the market price is equal to $472.61. So what should you do in this scenario? Well, again, it seems that Cedarberg technology is being overvalued by the market. You would recommend that investors sell Cedarberg technology because it's overvalued. That's all I want to cover in this lecture. I will see you in class.